Joshua, the 24th chapter, the first to the 15th verse. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I told your father Abraham from the land beyond Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave him Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill to the country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there and brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you the land of the Amorites who lived east of Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them before you and took the possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, the son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the, Hiv- the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites, but I gave them into your hands. I set the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, and also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with the, uh, your own sword and bow. So I gave you land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and grow grooves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether your gods or your ancestors served beyond Euphrates or the gods of Amorites whose land you are living, but after me and my household, we were served the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Um, just kind of what I want to do is this is my, my, my focus, right? So five years. We've been around for five years. And three weeks ago, I'm going to kind of touch on each pastor and what they talked about, how they encouraged City Church. And so our first uh, pastor who blessed us was Wes. And I asked that you would please lift Wes up in prayer. His family, he lost his brother. He lost his younger brother, who was a husband and a father. And he still has to continue to, to serve. And we understand that we're hit with ups and downs, and God is the only one who can get us through these difficult times. And so his prayer was that we just lift him up in prayer and that we would pray for that family because now that, that widow, those kids without their father, I ask that she would just uh, pray for them. So Wes blessed us with a word and he kicked it off with the title, Let God Melt and Live Wholeheartedly. Let God Melt and Live Wholeheartedly. 
He says that some of the things we need to let melt, some of the things that we need to let melt as Christians, as believers, we need to let God melt um, some of the addictions that we have. You, you know what that is, right? We don't have to call out those things, but everyone in here, there's some things in our life that we need to let God melt. And one of them can be addiction, it can be technology, it might be your flesh, it might be food, social media, unhealthy or codependent relationships. So there's things in our life that we need to let God melt completely away. And so I was, re- I was really encouraged by that because the scripture does something to you. As you read it and you see, and, and we're going to get into this, God just holds up this mirror to you. So then he says, God wants City Church to not be like Halfway Herbert. He read this story, and Halfway Herbert did everything halfway. He tied his shoes halfway. He told half the truth, right? And he encouraged us to not be like Halfway Herbert, to be all the way in to be all the way in. As Christians, we will never grow. We will never mature if we're not all the way in. If we're doing things halfway, that's what's going to happen. We look at our lives like, why is my life this way? Right? Why, why, why can't I get it together? Are you all the way in? Are you halfway in? He says he shared the word prayer and Bible reading. In order to connect with God, prayer and Bible reading. One word. It's not a mistake. Prayer and Bible reading. Prayer and Bible reading. How much time do we spend with God praying? How much time do we spend with God praying? How much time do we spend with God reading, getting into the scriptures and saying, Lord, what is it that you have specifically for me? Not not for my neighbor, because a lot of times, like he said, we like to look at a word, and Pastor West said this, we look at a word and we say, oh, I'm going to take this, I'm going to give this, I'm going to slide this, I'm going to play this song, I'm going to pause it right here, and I'm going to slide it under their mat and give it to them, and I'm going to run away hit, so they can hit play because God needs to work on them in their life at that specific point. And God, it's like, no, it's you. You're on mute. It's not, it's not me. It's, it's you. It's your microphone. It's, you need to turn it off mute, right? So we need to spend more time in prayer and Bible reading, getting closer, because how can we get closer to God if we don't know his word? How can we stand on his promises if we don't know them? God wants us to live holy for him, holy for me. Again, not halfway, all the way. God wants every single, uh, and I share with the men at, at fellowship, it's like we will allow God to get into our lives. As men, you know, we like, Lord, come on in. Just have a seat in the living room. Don't go into any of my bedroom. Don't go into my bedroom. Don't go into the den, right? Don't go into my garage, right? You can have a seat in the living room. Matter of fact, give me my remote. Jesus, don't touch my remote because I'm watching what I want to watch, right? And so God wants us to give access to the whole house. Come in, come in, Jesus. I stand at the door and I knock, right? Come on in and have your way with my whole house. My, mi casa es su casa, right? But no, it's like, no, this is mi casa. I paid all the, right? And we forget that it was God who provided and allowed us to get to this point. So live holy for him. And then he says, and I'm glad that he said this because our pastor, if anybody, Pastor Mark Meeks knows that sometimes serving is undesirable. Sometimes I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like sending out the text messages, the emails. I don't feel like reminding grown people on what they're supposed to do. I'm tired of repeating myself 
the same situation. You keep asking me the same thing over and over again. So sometimes ministry is undesirable. And Pastor Wes said it like this. You know, sometimes as we look at Jesus Christ, as we look at his life, and we compare our lives, we understand that Jesus, what? He died. And sometimes dying does not look desirable. Sometimes it's not, we don't want to die to ourselves. We don't want to die to the things that we want. So we have to live holy and then understand that sometimes it's going to be undesirable. Amen. Amen. Sometimes it's going to be undesirable, but God says what? Seek, seek first me. Trust in me. I'll change your perspective. Transform, what? Romans 12, 1, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's going to look undesirable unless you transform your mind. Scripture is a mirror for City Church. As we look into the Scripture, a lot of times, again, we don't have to point our fingers at anybody. We look at the Scripture, okay, God, I see what you're telling me to do. You're telling me to be obedient. When pastor asks me to do something, I need to do it. Amen. Pastor Campbell, Dr. Campbell, oh, my goodness. I, I, you know, for the sake of time, I wanted to spend more time on this one. But Pastor Campbell, there were so many different things. I had hard, hard time picking and selecting like, okay, no, that was good. No, I'm going to go with this one. Lord, help me. Let me, what is it that you want me to share with City Church? And so he says, when he started off, he says, above everything else, we need to be an obedient church. Obedient church. City Church needs to be obedient. Obedient to what? To the scripture. Being obedient, he said, we're tired. He said, I don't want to look, look at another mission statement, another vision. Our vision, our mission should be the same of Christ Jesus. What did he say do? But everybody has a new thought, and we can't complete the last thought. Mm. City Church's mandate should be the same as Jesus' mandate. Our growth is determined by how healthy we are. Think about this. We can't grow. City Church can't grow if we're unhealthy. We can't, as, as believers, it's just like when you're trying to, a, a person who is sick and, 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 and they're dying, it doesn't matter how much they exercise, if they're unhealthy, their life is not going to change. So as City Church, as, if we want to grow, if we want to get better, we have to get healthy. And how do we get healthy? By looking into the scripture, by reading, by praying, by meditating, by coming together, share, being together with like-minded individuals. We got to stop going outside to the world to our friends and our families who don't have a relationship with Christ and, and, and telling them, I'm going through this and I'm going, I don't know what to do. And they're telling us, well, you know what? What I used to do, and they don't have no relationship with God. You know what? Save your thought. Save that. And even for me, I think sometimes I'm like, you know what? I don't want to come off and, as Pastor Campbell also said, we don't want to, you know, be obnoxious with it. Right? Don't be obnoxious as a Christian. Don't have the big chain on. Look, I got a cross. Look at me. No, just be a Christian. Just be who God has called you to be. Allow God to reflect that light. He, sees that there, he says that there is one body of Christ and one head, and that is the head of Jesus Christ. A disciple is, a disciple is an obedient follower of Jesus. And then he says, this is, a, this is the thing I want you to understand. When I thought about this, Jesus, to be a disciple, right, we have to be obedient. We look at the disciples of Jesus Christ and that they had their flaws as well. And we're going to have our flaws, but we need to be obedient, right? So we need to be able to relate. We need to reflect. And then we also need to go out and reproduce ourselves, reproduce 
reproduce discipleship, right? So as we go, and he said it's not just a, a class. We need to spend time with each other outside of church. We need to grow outside of church. And Brother DeAndre said at our men's fellowship, he says, how come I can't have just friends in the Lord? How come they got to be my church friends? You know, like the Facebook friends, they're not really friends, but they're Facebook friends. How come we can't just be friends? Somebody who we are on the same page. And we, we, have a habit, we have to break those habits and come together as one and say, you know what? I believe and these are my friends because we're like-minded and we're headed toward the same goal. Because if we're not, we're going to get distracted and we're going to fall away. Addition guarantees problems. So if we're just adding people to church, we just worried about the numbers. And pastors never worried about this number. He's worried about our, indi- our individual relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to make sure Jabrilla is, is well-fed and that she's getting a closer and intimate relationship with Christ before I'm worried about her bringing everybody else in. We have to make sure that we're healthy, right? Everybody, every church can have a, a huge numbers. Doesn't mean they're healthy. Got a lot of people. But if everybody's sick, doesn't really help. There's no miracles going on. There's no change going on. So as, as, as Christians, as believers, we have to multiply ourselves. And that goes by spending time. Spiritual infants need to become spiritual parents. How long have you been where you are in your life? Think about this. I'm not telling you to say it out loud right now, but how long have you been where you are? Spiritually speaking, how long have you been in that same predicament? You keep finding yourself in the same situations over and over again. When are you going to grow up and become a spiritual parent? Then Pastor Campbell said something that, help me, Lord. He said, stop limping if you ain't living. And what he meant was, stop talking about how God is doing this and he's going to do that and he can do this if he ain't did it in your life. As a Christian, people are not only listening to what you're saying, they're looking at your life. So although you might say God is great and God is able to deliver and he hasn't delivered you in your life. So when we see that God is working, and so that's, I'm at that point now, and I thank God that I say, you know what? I can no longer worry about self-preservation and worry about how people are going to look at me. I no longer care because it's all about God. It's all about God. It's not about me. So if you feel a certain way, you're going to have to take that up with my father. And guess what? He got my back. He died for me. Too many times we spend so much just worrying and worrying. I don't want them because if they see this and they're not going to then and they're going to say this about me and then people are going to. God says, submit to me. Let me work it out. It's not about you. It's not about you. Pastor made it and then he uh, blessed us and he said that we have uh, Joshua who has a God-sized story, meaning that this is a big story, not a little story. This is a, a big story. Uh, If the story is true, then we are going to have to choose whether we believe and accept it or not. So understand this. If what I'm saying is true, everybody in here has an obligation to whether you're going to choose to accept it or you're going to deny it. And you're going to be held accountable because if I'm saying, if I am preaching the gospel, the word of God, and you choose to refuse it, that is on you. And God's going to deal deal with us individually. So we all have a personal relationship, and God wants us to grow. But again, we all have an individual relationship. This is good. But when we go home, when we're by ourselves, 
We have to spend quality time with God. We have to read. We have to pray. And so it says uh, we serve a big God. If we serve a big God, then we are uh, faced with big choices compared to popular belief. A lot of times this is what happens. People will say, you know what? I I have this little, you know, situation, this little situation going on, and I need your advice. But anytime we're dealing with God, it's a big decision. It's a big choice because we're dealing with a big God. So we can no, no, no longer look at our situations and say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and, especially when it comes to sin, if we're looking at something, you're like, you know what, it's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal. The reason we're able to do that is because we see God as little. But if we see him as a big, holy, righteous God, the little decisions that we make will be impacted by that. I can't make this decision because my God is so holy, he's so big, he's so righteous, he loves me so much that this little bit of sin is going to impact my relationship. So we have to look at every situation in our lives as a big deal. There is a poverty of service. He said there's not a lot of people who are in this position of service who love serving. So there's a poverty of it. Uh, Then he says that comfortability is destroying our faith. Too many believers want to be comfortable, right? We want the AC. We don't want to be in a saint. We don't want to be in a high school. We want to be where we can name our own seats. Like, you know what? The third pew to the left, that's mine. And I walk in, that's all me. We want to be comfortable. But God's saying, if we look at all the priests, all the prophets, all these people in the Bible, and we look at the disciples, guess what? They were always uncomfortable. God was allowing them to be in uncomfortable positions. Why? Because he wanted to grow them up. He wanted to grow them. He wanted to mature them. And he can't grow and mature you if you want to be comfortable because then you're trusting in yourself. You're not trusting in God. We were made to live in discomfort zones. We really begin to grow when we are uncomfortable. We all, we all are serving something or someone. So just going back to real quickly to this comfort zone, Pastor Campbell said something at lunch that um, I had the privilege of hearing, and he said that, my God deals in the impossible. Think about that. 